again and um, have this opportunity to be share with you and what God is doing. And uh, I shared lots of that story when I was with you last time of, of kind of this new journey that God is taking us on. And, um, you know, to be honest, um, in most days it's, some, it's exciting what God is doing and the answers to prayer that he's doing, but it's pretty overwhelming as well. And the job is way bigger than one person can possibly do on their own. And, and so I'm thankful that God has brought a, already bringing some colleagues along to help carry the load. And, and Kevin Gertzen, I'll invite him to come up and join me here this morning. And, and you as a church have decided to get behind him to help support him as he's coming on to help us. And I've asked him to share his testimony this morning uh, of what we're doing. And can we turn the... the uh, the clip on there too, because we're going to need that for our presentation. But but God is doing amazing things, and what's a, what's exciting for me is you as a church have supported us. I think almost from from the very beginning. I think in 1997 when we were going back to New Guinea, or 1996 we went to New Guinea in the first place. And what's exciting is is that we've been coming here for the last four weekends, uh, the last four months, one weekend a month, and and teaching and hanging out with your guys here, and it's been a lot of fun and and just good digging into the truth of God's word. And um, as we've been able to come, yeah, it's been a little bit of a journey, but you know what's been so neat is to be able to give back to you as a congregation, to give back to you as to what you've been supporting us in New Guinea, and actually what's happening is it's kind of coming full circle. What you supported in New Guinea and what was developed in New Guinea is now coming back to you here, um, here at uh, Killarney, And, and this morning you had an opportunity to taste a little bit of that. So what Kevin and I are going to do right now is I want to, we're going to take you on a little bit of a journey and by way of a video clip, kind of narrating it between the two of us, a little bit as to, by picture, some of what God is doing here and uh, somehow this is not working, so of course it's not. So let's just adjust this. Um, where's my mouse? Is that working now? Okay, so we we are the church engagement team of of Ethnos Canada. Our mandate is to equip Aboriginal Canadian churches. Use the mic. Use the mic. Our mandate is to uh, equip Aboriginal and Canadian churches to thrive, mature, and multiply. Our evangelism disciple making strategy is based on a proven church planting disciple making strategy from overseas. So our disciple-making series is called Establish. Our team began in, in early 2016 with Norm McCollum, my, myself and Judy. There we shared a vision with Norm about his, to see his people to mature and to thrive in Christ. Now already in that year, there was much interest in the Aboriginal church and Canadian church that God added Kevin Gertson, that's me, and my beautiful wife, Bill Jansen, and Conrad Flett to the team. This was followed by Craig and Leilani Bauman and his family and Brent and Jody Risto and Dale Weeb showed up in 2018. All of this is God's doing and it's for his glory. So from our first weekly teaching in North Battleford and weekly teaching in Big River, God opened doors for a more concentrated, long-term equipping Northwestern, in northwestern Saskatchewan and also at, at Ozer Mission Chapel. Now Ozer Mission Chapel is adopted, established where we taught it and now they are teaching. More on that later, but right now we'll share about what God is currently doing in northwestern Saskatchewan. So in early 2015, or actually through 2017, Norm, myself, and Craig, we made multiple trips to the north, to the Buffalo Narrows area, and to multiple communities in between. We met with Aboriginal believers, listening to their stories, praying with them, hearing over and over again of their feeling of being isolated, alone, desiring fellowship, and solid Bible teaching. 
So Norm shared the vision of a unity gathering. And on November 18, 2017, believers from Lalash, Turner Lake, Buffalo Narrows, Boval, and Meadow Lake came together to pray, worship, and share testimonies. It was a wonderful time of fellowship and encouragement. And Pastor Gary was even there. That's a pastor from our sending church. Yes. So I, during that time, I shared the, this about this foundational Bible teaching. And right then and there, the group decided right on the spot that they want us to begin January 13th, 2018. And we continue to the end of May. Myself, Craig, and Norm, we travel there every other weekend to teach a diverse group of believers. Um, Aboriginal, Métis, white, Calvinistic, and charismatic um, all that, that time. Each Saturday. Each Saturday was filled with six hours of worship and prayer, fellowship, food, and solid Bible teaching. Norm facilitated the local group. Local leaders led worship and prayer, and Dave and Craig led the Bible teaching. First there was 30, then there was 40, all packed into this little church in Buffalo Narrows, hungry for truth and fellowship. All winter long, a core group of 20 of them faithfully came and completed the first level. Four of their leaders equipped to teach in the summer of 2018 and they are now reteaching the established 101 in Buffalo Narrows and in the Walsh right now. Dave continues to travel every other weekend to meet with the group for fellowship, teacher coaching and mentoring to teach established 102. So through 2018, Indigenous Churches in Pine House and Prince Albert also requested we start teaching. So Brent Risto is leading the teaching in Pine House and traveling there every weekend. In the fall of 2017, Craig and Leilani Bauman were invited uh, by Conrad Flett and Kirby James, uh, Pastor Kirby James, to start attending the New Life Community Church, in, an indigenous church in PA, and are in, involved in a multiple levels of leadership. And in the past fall, they have started teaching established. All told, we have a team going four different directions, about 8,000 kilometers each month to teach. So God is stirring within his church simply through word of mouth and the impact the foundational Bible teaching is spreading and we continue to get more requests to come and to teach and to equip more leaders. To facilitate the interest, we held two teacher training events this past summer and we're conducting a weekend version of this, this this winter and that's you guys right here. This is what God is doing. So this is what you're supporting as you stand behind us in prayer and encouragement and your financial support. And on top of this, a number of seniors from our church are even beginning to come to help facilitate putting books together and, and the materials that you're using here. Now this ministry is simply not about doing something for the church. We want to partner with the church, with churches building authentic long-term relationships to see churches across Canada thrive, mature, and multiply. So pray with us that God would provide the people and the resources needed to see this ministry continue to grow, to see believers in Canada equipped to make more disciples who can make, can make more disciples who can make more disciples. And so this is what God is doing through the church engagement at Ethnos Canada. So I've asked Kevin to share his testimony, so a little bit as to what God is doing in his life, and then we'll come back and we'll dig into God's Word. Morning, everyone. My name is Kevin Gertzen, and I've been a born-again believer in Christ since I was about 15 years old. And I want to just share briefly with you to give thanks and to celebrate your volunteers. Please do that because if it was not for volunteers in the local church, I would not be a believer in Christ. Volunteers really do make the difference in the growth of a church. So I've been a part of Oslo Mission Chapel. That's where David and I are coming from. Uh, I've been a part of them for 20 years now, uh, on and off in, in ministry mostly with the youth. I love the youth. Uh, I even, I did Sunday school for almost 20 years, and then I did, also did in the midst of that, um, 
I was a Sunday school superintendent, but I really missed the opportunity to be with the children themselves, with the kids themselves, especially the young adults. Uh, in that environment, uh, I miss the discipleship that takes place in that classroom. I miss the questions and the impact that I can have in their, ki- in their lives. So uh, as of this last year, I actually made the transition from Sunday school, su- uh, Sunday school teacher to a youth leader, a senior youth leader. Can you imagine me, a 52-year-old man, hanging out with 15 and 18-year-olds? I just uh, It's amazing, but it's fun. Um, I'm here this morning, though, to share with you about a different ministry that I'm involved in. Um, and the, technically speaking, this ministry or the, what God has been doing in my life started back in the 80s. The 80s. Remember the 80s, the, the days of the cassette tape? Does anybody here have a cassette still hanging around? A pile of them? Yes, I have a pile of cassette tapes in my basement as well. Well, it was 1985 and I was about 18 years old um, and I was graduating. I didn't know what I was going to do with life. I had no idea what I was going to do with life. I grew up on a small farm and there was not enough of an income on that farm. As a matter of fact, my dad was a contractor by trade to supplement the income that he wasn't making off of that farm. Uh, his thought was that I would just pick a trade, get into the trade, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I didn't have any other leadership. There's nothing else in my life that was making a difference. Yes, I was involved in the church, but there was nothing else in my life that was making a difference and helping me walk through and make decisions in my life. So... In my own family, however, I felt like I was an island of myself because I didn't have a really good relationship with my family. The family didn't have a very good relationship with the family. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I didn't have anybody to sit down with and talk about life. There's nobody there to talk about life with. Until one day, a young man from our church... Uh, approached me and asked me to play a little tennis. And uh, tennis, I love to do. I very much was into sports. And so we played tennis. But tennis wasn't all that he wanted to do. This gentleman opened his door to me, and I got to see what living like a mature Christian adult was supposed to look like. We hung out. We walked the parks. We talked till hours of the, light, of the night. We talked about life. We talked about girls. We talked about cars. We talked about work. Can anybody tell me what this gentleman was doing in my life? Discipling. This gentleman was a part of my life. He was purposely a part of my life to purposely instill within me biblical truths that I needed to learn to walk as a mature young adult. He was mentoring me and allowing me to see through a mature believer's eyes what it was like to live a Christian life. He helped me to recognize that I needed someone to hold me accountable for the many choices that I'll be making as I grow and continue to grow in my spiritual life. Today, I can tell you that I have formally and informally mentored many young men and women, sorry, not women, many young men in our church and outside of our church. And today, I'm excited to say that most of those young men are a part of the local church or a part of a ministry outside of the local church. Mentoring and purposeful discipleship has been a passion and a desire that God has started in my life way back in the 1980s. So when this church engagement component of Ethnos Canada was suggested for Canada in early 2016, I became excited about the possibility of being involved with it. I asked God, oh God, would you please let me be a part of this because this is right down my alley. And for all intents and purposes, I was so thankful that he allowed me to be here and he has allowed me to come here with Dave Wright for these last four sessions. It's been an absolutely amazing experience for me 
to be a part of a discipleship program that leads the church into a discipleship mentality towards not just discipleship development, but leadership development. We want to help churches become purposeful in that discipleship through effective Bible teaching, creating a mature body of believers that are not only prepared to meet the demands of this world and the challenges of this world, but to make other disciples of Christ who are also prepared to meet the challenges of this world. So we, the church engagement team, desire to engage with the Canadian church and walk her through the steps that have been learned while raising mature churches in the tribal areas of this world. So what you've seen here is an adaptation of what's been taught and used in the tribal communities across this world. So I asked God if I could be a part of it, and he says, yes, you may. And I'm excited to be here to work with David. So what I'm doing currently, uh, I've committed to half-time as a missionary and half-time working on my own. Uh, I've uh, created this, um, I've, I've been calling it uh, Paul's tent making. I, I, we all are familiar with how Paul tent, made tents to supplement the income. And so I am an HVAC technician, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. I fix furnaces, air conditioners, and water heaters. Been doing that for 20-some, 25 years, more than 25 years. And so I uh, started up a school to teach guys how to fix furnaces, air conditioners, water heaters. And I'm hoping, uh, by God's grace, that I'll be able to teach on Saturdays and help supplement, or teach on Saturdays that'll supplement the income that I need and uh, work for the ministry uh, full-time throughout the week so that I can help these guys do what they do best up north and beyond. And perhaps I'll be involved in some of the other uh, ministries or the other aspects of this kind of ministry in the different churches elsewhere. I'd be excited to be a part of that. But that is what I'm doing. Half-time, I work uh, as a missionary in the offices for Ethnos Canada with Dave Wright. And uh, the other half, I teach people how to do, or I'm attempting anyways, to teach people how to do what I do. Now, mind you, if, if I could come on full, bo- uh, full time then, and not have to teach, then that'd be awesome. I could leave that with somebody else and I could do this full time. So, um, but to date, we have three full time members, two part time associate members. One of them is me, which, and uh, we have a myriad of volunteers, which you saw a picture of up front. So this is just a recent quote from a pastor in London, Ontario, who has been impacted by the ministry. And this is crazy. Pastor of 35 years, he says, I greatly value where the teaching begins in Genesis 1-1, and from there a very strong foundation is laid in Genesis through the rest of the Bible. The course is very strong in biblical exposition, where Bible doctrines are very plainly and powerfully dealt with. And the highlight of the course, to me personally so far, is the exalted position given to God the Father, the Son, and and the Holy Spirit. I have a greater understanding of the person of God and his gracious work among men than I have ever had in my life. Another one gentleman says, the study has changed my theology of God and how I do evangelism. It's, um, I love to be a part of this ministry because we're teaching people how to be disciples. And we're teaching people how to be leaders within their own congregation and impacting the world around them. For Christ, and I, I'm thankful to be a part of this. If you are interested in to know to knowing more about what I'm doing 
in the ministry and outside of the ministry, please contact me. And if you're interested in supporting me or helping me walk through this or praying for me and my wife, as this is a massive undergoing for us, uh, we would love to hear from you. Thank you very much for this time that I can have with you. So I appreciate Kevin's input and uh, the value of, of what he's contributing and you, that card that you have in front of you that's in your bulletin kind of gives a little bit of his testimony, how you can contact him if you would like more information. But take your Bibles and in our time remaining, take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew 28. We want to look at this truth, we want to look at a truth here from God's Word. And we talk about discipling and uh, I'm titling this uh, portion, Every Believer is a, is a Disciple Maker. Every Believer is a Disciple of Jesus Christ. And so we as believers in Jesus Christ need to understand this. And what's fascinating is, uh, I think it was mid-2015, I don't know if it was a prayer or, or what it was. I was, I think I was talking to God. I said, God, it would be really neat if you would allow that once we're kind of finished amongst the Mangan, and once all that's done, it would be neat to come to Canada to begin taking that strategic multiplication method that we use in New Guinea to bring it to the Canadian church and see the church thriving, maturing, and, and multiplying. And you know what, God, is how God has been leading, and, and it's been really exciting to be a part of that. Take your Bibles to Matthew 28. And let's read this and let's dig into this and see what God would have, have for us. Before we do that, let's just pray and ask God to, to teach us from his word this morning. Father, we come before you. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for your sufficiency. Thank you that your presence is here. You indwell us by your spirit. Thank you that your word is powerful. It changes lives. It's changed our lives so that we're, that we're sitting here because we, we love you and we love your word. And I pray that you would teach us this morning. I pray that you would speak through your word to my heart personally and to each person seated here for your namesake and for your glory. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Matthew 28 has already been read. It says this, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so as we look at this particular passage, the question comes up, what has Jesus commanded his disciples to do? Well, we see that very clearly. He's commanded his disciples to go and do what? To make more disciples. How do we do that? As we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, more disciples are raised up. Now, is that the end of the job? Well, no, not according to the passage here. As soon as you have a disciple, what are we supposed to do? Is to baptize them, aren't they? Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then is our job done? No, it continues verse 20 says and teaching them to do what to obey everything that i've commanded so this is a journey and a process that we go forward so god desires disciples from all nations so how does god define a disciple how does he define a disciple as we look at this truth here from his word a disciple is one who makes more disciples and so we understand that mandate Now, here's another question. Was this original passage here, Matthew 28, according to the context, Jesus is speaking to his first 12 disciples. You know, he's telling them, now you go and make disciples. Now, was that just for Jesus' original 12 disciples? No, absolutely not. 
The reality is that what Jesus was proposing here 2,000 years ago, that what he was proposing would begin a movement, would begin a transformation where the original disciples would make disciples who can make more disciples, who can make more disciples. And what Jesus was proposing was a movement that would begin. Now stop and think about this for a second. Why are you sitting in these pews here this morning? Why am I doing this task? Why did I do it in New Guinea? And why am I doing this here in Canada? Why? Because 2,000 years ago, in Matthew 28, Jesus commissioned a movement that began there that has continued on to us to this day. Do we appreciate what God instituted 2,000 years ago? And the benefits that we're now enjoying today is because what he began. And God has asked us to continue that that plan forward, to extend his disciple-making plan forward by continuing to make disciples of the next generation who can make disciples of the next generation. And this movement continues on forward. Now here's a question, and a a very profound one here for a second. What was the point that you became a disciple of Jesus Christ? At what point did I become a disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, the truth from God's word is I became and you became a disciple of Jesus Christ the very moment of our rescue, the moment that we humbled ourselves in repentance and faith before the finished work of Christ, we became a disciple of Jesus Christ and he has commissioned us, he has commanded us. Now notice it says there, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. So this commissioning in Matthew 28 was not just the original 12. It's not just for some select few of us, Pastor Danny and some of us missionaries. No, this mandate was been given to every believer in Jesus Christ. So this is how we're defining a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple follows Christ's mandate to make disciples who increasingly worship Jesus in all of life, changed by Jesus in all of life, obeys Jesus in all of life, and teaches people of all nations to do the same. There's our mandate before us as believers in Jesus Christ. Now at the core of all of it is, is that we're following Christ who makes us to become fishers of men. As we increasingly worship, obedience follows, doesn't it? As we increasingly follow, we continue to go forward. Now notice back here in the passage here, Matthew 28... As we're going forward, as we understand, as a disciple maker, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, he's commissioned me, he's commanded me to be making more disciples. And I believe that in this passage here is a step-by-step process that he institutes that we should follow as we're going out. Now notice, the first step is is we make disciples. Then as as we're sharing the truth of God's word and another disciple comes in and joins us on this disciple-making process, then God's commissioned us to baptize them and then to continue to teach them all that God has commanded. Now, we understand the truth of baptism, don't we? We understand that upon the confession of our faith, we declare publicly that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ and I'm, I'm baptized in demonstration of the finished work of Christ. I died with him, I was raised to newness of life. But take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's another meaning of the word baptism that we need to understand as we go forward as disciple makers. As we go forward understanding what God has commissioned us to. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
Take your Bibles and turn there. This is our authority. This is where we go to. This is our commissioning. This is our, our, our Lord and our Master giving us our marching orders. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. What does it say there? The body is a unit, and Jesus and, and God, the Holy Spirit, is leading the Apostle Paul here to speak. So the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. Okay, we got the hands, we got the arms, so the body is made up of all these different parts. Though all of its parts are many, they form what? One body. It's a cohesive. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized, notice what it says, we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit, the one spirit to drink. So once we repented of our sin and put our faith in the finished work of Christ, we were immersed, we were placed into the body of Christ. We were joined together with him. We became his child. And so there was this, this divine union that took place. We became his child. We became his disciple. And Jesus desires that each of us would be fully immersed, fully engaged in our relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This fits with Matthew 28. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you immerses us, places us, and, and enjoys all the richness of that relationship. And along this process, he invites us, he, he commands us to invite other people into this family, into this body of believers. Now think about this for a second. Within the body, within within a family unit, within the the family of God, there's incredible blessings, isn't there? But there's also responsibilities that go with it. Now think about that in our natural families. when When a loving couple has a child, right? Immediately, when that child is born, what are the blessings that that child enjoys? They immediately, they're immediately blessed with a family name, aren't they? They're blessed with, with a place where they belong. They're blessed where they're loved and secure and all of their needs are provided for. But what are also the responsibilities? Yes, that child gains incredible, incredible blessings, don't they? But immediately as they continue to grow, they also gain responsibilities, don't they? They now have to submit to their parents, don't they? They now have to take on age-appropriate chores within the family. And the same is true for us as believers in Jesus Christ. The moment of our rescue, there's incredible blessings that we enjoy as being the child of God. We are now Christ's ones. We are now called Christians. We are now disciples of Jesus Christ. We now belong. We are secure. We are loved. And now we are provided for. But do we get a free ride? Has God just invited us in and he's all these blessings and all these blessings, we belong. But do we just get a free ride in all of this? Absolutely not. We now need to submit to who? We now need to submit to our Heavenly Father, our Lord and our Master as we go forward. We now take on age-appropriate, growth-related responsibilities as we go forward as believers in Jesus Christ. Now let me illustrate here for a second why it's important to give age-appropriate responsibilities as we go forward. Think about a family. Think about a couple. Think about what would this family be like if they had a child and they had this this notion that, okay, we can't really give too many responsibilities to Johnny until Johnny is, reaches uh, maybe about 14 years of age. We've got to wait till he grows up and he's got some strength, so we can't really have him to wash dishes. We can't really have him do the chores. We've got to wait till he grows up because we don't want him to hurt himself in this process. What's Johnny going to be like? What's the family going to be like? 
Would you like to have Johnny in your house? No, because what's, what's the problem with Johnny? Johnny's got fat and lazy, hasn't he? That's the, that's the reality. But again, the same is true for a disciple of Jesus Christ. A new Christian may be an infant in Christ, but they must be given age-appropriate responsibilities. Otherwise, what's going to happen to that believer in Jesus Christ? Because somehow, sometimes in the church of Jesus Christ, we have this idea that we have to allow a new believer to mature to a certain level before we give them any responsibilities. You have to have a level of perfection before you can do all of these things. You can't come up and do anything on the stage. You can't teach Sunday school. You can't do anything until you have this level of responsibility. But then what starts to happen with believers who grew up with this idea that they don't have to do anything until they get mature, mature in Christ? What happens? Don't we get fat and lazy? And as a result, what takes place? We miss out on the blessings that come with joining and being together and rubbing shoulders and helping carry the load with our fellow brothers in Jesus Christ. Now, one of the responsibilities that God gives in Matthew 28, the one of the responsibilities that he gives to every believer in Jesus Christ is what? Is to make disciples. Now stop and think about this. So a a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ and immediately Jesus in Matthew 28, he commissions them and he commands them, Matthew 28, don't take my words for it, Matthew 28, he then commissions them and he commands them, that new believer in Jesus Christ, go and make disciples. Now hang on a second here. Is Is that reasonable? A new person comes to faith in Jesus Christ and already there can be an expectation they can be a part of making disciples? Isn't that a little bit severe? Isn't that a little bit intense? No. Because think about that. As we empower, as we commission, as, we, as, as, as people come to faith in Jesus Christ, as we begin to enable them to understand the responsibility to share their rescue story, share their God story, share what God is doing in your life, what is taking place then? They're making disciples, aren't they? They're already at that beginning stage sharing their story, inviting others to come into the family of God, to come into the kingdom of God. And in that ray, they're making disciples. You see, we don't have to be mature before we begin to make disciples. We can begin that at the moment of our conversion. And just like our physical children must learn to crawl, walk, and run, we need to allow new believers in Jesus Christ also to crawl, walk, and run. Yes, and as our physical children, they fall and they get bumped up in the process, guess what's going to happen to our disciples coming behind us? They're going to bump themselves up, aren't they? They're going to break a limb at one at a time. Do we just kick them to the curb? We don't kick our children to the curb, do we? So too for our spiritual children. We need to pick them up. We need to clean them up. We need to to bind up their wounds. Continue to encourage. Continue to teach. You see, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we are now part of the family of God. We now belong. We've got fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ that are there to help clean us up and to continue to disciple us as we go forward in this process. And see, the reality is in this church, what's been taking place in this church from its very beginning days, what have they been doing? Discipling, discipling, teaching truths of God's word so that we can go forward. And the things that we experience, we're going to eventually need to share with our own disciples and carry that forward. You see, what God has invited us into is a global movement going forward. 
Now, notice the last verse of Matthew chapter 8, 28, uh, verse 20. This is what it says, and, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, Jesus makes this, this, this uh, promise here. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus just promised that he was going to go with us in this journey of making disciples. So as we go out, with, as we begin to embrace this disciple-making mandate that he's given, do we go alone? No, absolutely not. Because Jesus Christ, God the Son, makes this incredible promise to us that he goes with us to assure us that we're not alone and he will empower us in this process. So here, stop and think about this for a second. He's making a promise to how many people? How many millions of people? How many millions of believers over the stretch over the whole world? He's making this promise and I will be with you to the end. Of the now, can he deliver? As you go forward where you live and where you, li- where you walk and where you work, Jesus is promising that he's going to go with you. He's going to empower you. Now, can he deliver? Can he deliver for you, but that person over in Papua New Guinea? At the same time? Absolutely he can. Because you know what we begin to understand is who God is and all of his majesty and his glory. This is why in your one-on-one study, guess what the, the primary focus is going to be? Is on who is our God. All the truths are going to come back up to the nature and the character of God. Because if we don't know who our God is, we will not thrive and we will not mature and we will not go forward in victory because there will always be some level of doubt. And so guess what? That's what we're going to focus on, who God is, everywhere present, all-powerful. And so think about that. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are never alone. God Almighty has promised to be with us to make disciples. His word speaks to all cultures. And he will enable us to make disciples amongst every last one of them. In fact, think about this for a second. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, God so guarantees the success. As we join him on this venture, making disciples, he promises, he guarantees that there will be some from every tribe, tongue, and nation around the throne when you and I are standing there. So what God invites us in as believers in Jesus Christ is ironclass, guaranteed. There's nothing else that we buy in this world that has that level of guarantee to it. God himself guarantees that as we give of ourselves to making disciples who can make more disciples, there's guaranteed success as we go forward. Now let's stop and think about this. Let's just apply this here as we're coming here to this end of this. As we think, as we think, as we think about this. When did you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. We've already talked about this, but let's personalize a little bit further. At what point, Eric, did you become a disciple of Jesus Christ? Yeah, the moment of our rescue, right? What are the ramifications of that? See, think about this for a second. When we stand before God one day, guess what he's going to ask us? He's going to ask every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ. What's he going to ask us? How did you do in extending my kingdom, making disciples who can make more disciples? See, God has placed a commission on our lives that we need to go forward. As a disciple of Christ, yes, we belong. Yes, we are secure. Yes, we are provided for. But he's commanded us to make disciples. Now, this is not an option to be considered. 
This is a commandment to be obeyed. This is our primary objective in everything that we do. As I go to my place of employment, my first responsibility is as a disciple maker. As we raise our children or care for our grandchildren, our primary responsibility is not just to love them, but to commission them and to empower them as a disciple who can make more disciples. And initially, is, there, is, is responding repentance of faith first and foremost, isn't it? And think about that. As you've been attending this church, you've been a part of that process of disciple-making. And as you begin this 101 in Sunday school, it's just another way. It's not the only way, and it's not saying that what's been done in the past is, is wrong. No, this is another way of continuing to sharpen it going forward. But the intention of this 101 is to enable and to empower believers, one, to know the message, to know it thoroughly and simply so they can share it with the next generation. That's the intention intention of it, to empower believers to know that message. But here's the question. How do we we take advantage of the disciple-making that's happening in this church right now? See, first and foremost, we need to submit ourselves to the fact that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the leaders that God has raised up in this church, they've been commissioned by God to empower you to effectively disciple the next generation. So we need to be submitting ourselves to them, don't we? We need to be attending as God's word is being opened in a Bible study, in a Sunday school class. We need to be there and present because this is our instruction to to be what God has called us to do. And we need to understand that and appreciate that. We need to submit ourselves to that. And guess what? How does our experience as a growing believer enable us to make more disciples? Guess what? As I respond to truth, I share what I'm learning. I share. So think about that. The unbelievers that we function with and we live with, what do they love to share with? What do they love to talk about? Their new truck, their new car, their new sport, all of those things. Why are we so shy to share what we're passionate about? We each day, think about that, each day as we, as we prepare for each day, we prepare each day for our marching orders, we're opening God's word, and as we're there in God's word, we're drinking from the truth, now God is giving something that we can share with those that we come across with. Here's some ways that we can very practically um, um, share some of these things. Let's be gracious as you share the truth with unbelievers. Let's be ready to share our God story of how God has rescued us. Let's be vulnerable. Let's be transparent. How is God working today? Not just how he worked 20 years ago, but how is God working today? What is he doing in my life today? How is he healing? How is he instructing? How is he helping me where I'm at today? See, there's our God story that we can share that should be ready on our lips. We can share our story with a number of different ways and and learn God's word to share it. And as God initially drew you to repentance and faith, he will work in you, through you, to draw others to believers in Jesus Christ. See, I want to share a picture here with you, and I don't know if you'll be able to see it very clearly. But as you guys begin this 101, and this is kind of the strategy that we used in New Guinea, and this is kind of the strategy, if you want to continue with this, this is is its natural end, or the end of where it goes. You guys are beginning 101. That's the foundation piece. That's the evangelism, the God story of how God rescued us so that we know the gospel and we're able to readily share the gospel. So think about that. That's what 101 is. There's the 102 afterwards if you want to participate. Our security in Christ, the finished work of Christ. Then there's Acts, Romans, and there's a progression through God's word as you build, build, build. Now something is taking place here is this. As you learn this methodology of walking through God's word, 
this will enable you to practically share God and and lead others in this disciple-making process, matching the truth with their growth level as a believer in Jesus Christ. And as they go forward... But think about this, and as I shared with the guys, if you only just focus on just teaching another Bible curriculum, you will have failed. Because God has called us not just to fill our heads with truth, but to disciple others who can disciple others. And so this is what this funnel is underneath of here. Actively discipling others so that they in turn can disciple others. So there's this first part, life and community. As you gather for the teaching of God's word, there's discipleship happening around the truth of God's word. Dig into it. Use the resources. Use the handouts. Study it. Review it. Get to know the truth of God's word. Then there's opportunity, life on life, walking with somebody. Hey, Danny, I don't understand this. Eric, could you explain this to me? Rocky, help me understand this a little bit better. Having coffee with them, discussing it, working it through, life on life. Then life on mission. Hey, help me. Help me understand this. Take me along with you in this process as you're doing it. And then what these guys have involved in is this training A, teaching believers how to take God's word and teach others. And that's what we've been doing, very simple, uh, 10 lessons, empowering practically, walking them through. And again, you guys can have this, the next generation, not just a one-shot thing for these four guys. No one is re- When you guys are ready, we can come back and do another one to empower more teachers how to teach God's Word, to know how to enter into the lives of others, to come into the lives of others, and begin to teaching God's Word. And very naturally, beginning this disciple-making process. And you know what's exciting for me in this is this. See, as believers in Jesus Christ, we can hear this mandate that I should be making disciples. But where I sit, maybe where you sit, you think, there's no way I can do this. But what we're offering to you as the church here in Killarney is a very natural way that you can begin to be obedient to what God has called you to do. And so the first step is submit. Come to the 101. Participate in that. Because what it's going to do is going to ground your foundation. It's going to give you a very simple story way that you can share the story of what God has done using his word. And there's going to be an empowerment that's going to come through that resource that's going to empower you to do that. And as then you continue going forward and, and, and the next step and the next step and walking through this. See, I want to show a picture here for you. And this is, this, like we talk about this diagram here, but let me show you, give you a picture of what this can look like here in Clarny. Would you like to see what this can look like? As we as believers in Jesus Christ begin to take our mandate seriously. Here is what God is doing. So here's at Ozer Mission Chapel, a church just like yourself, loves God's word, actively pursuing the truth of God's word. In September of 2016, we began teaching the first level. Just like Danny and the guys are going to do here, we began teaching on a Wednesday night. We had 100 people come to that study, just eating it up, loving it, walking through. Because we're teaching believers, our pastor said, hey, Dave, can we begin the teacher training A like we did with these four guys? And so in January of 2017, we began teaching 12 people how to teach God's word like we did with the four of you guys here. You know what? They were so scared. They were almost ready to bolt and run. They had never taught anybody before, but these were believers in Jesus Christ. Began empowering them. They began to get excited and seeing that, yeah, we can do this. And so they, and then in, in September 2017, five different groups of them began to teach God's word in five different locations, two of them being my daughters and, my, and one being my, being my niece. 
Then guess what? Then I went on to teaching the 102, and then guess what? There was another teacher training, eh? and these ones from the first group, they came to help teach the second group of teachers. Do you see the multiplication that's happening? In, the, in an average church, empowering average believers to know the truth of God's word and began to be teaching it. And now these guys are teaching it in multiple different locations, unbelievers, one-on-one Bible study. Even my wife is getting involved in this now, teaching, uh, an unbelie- or teaching some believers that need foundation. Here's a multiplication model from, from northwestern Saskatchewan of how it's working. Last winter, we taught 20 to 30 from these places up here uh, all winter long. Summertime, four of the leaders from these areas came to this teacher training event and a number of others. Guess what? They're now reteaching the first level this last fall and winter. And this chart is already outdated because guess what we need to do in September? They now have believers who want to learn to teach. And so we're going to do another teacher training coming this fall for their teachers to teach others. And this thing continues to multiply and to grow. And so what I want to encourage you with this is this. That this journey that you're on with established, it's not the only way, but it's a way that we used in New Guinea to make disciples who can make disciples. And you as average believers can take this resource and start doing what God has commissioned us to do where you live, where you work, regardless of your age, to be a disciple maker, to make more disciples. And you know what? There's no greater joy than giving our lives for what God has commissioned us to do. With that, let's close in a word of prayer. And thank God for what he's doing and ask him to continue to multiply his efforts. Father, we come before you and we thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're a God that that loves us, that involves us in your process. You haven't saved us to sit us on a pew or to to prop us up, but Father, you've saved us to commission us, to involve us in what you're doing. And God, there's no greater joy in being involved in that. And so, Father, I just pray for this church as they kind of begin part of this process and where it all ends up, that's between them and and you. But, God, you are faithful. I pray that you would empower the guys as they teach. I pray that you would excite your children here as they're involved involved in this process. May they have the full picture of where this can take them and what you could do here in Killarney for for your kingdom to continue to grow here. So, Father, you are good. We love you, and it's an honor to serve you. pray these things in your name. Amen.